Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see everybody. And uh, I had my two ounces of fruit this morning at 6 a.m. and my coffee. And I don't get a second breakfast, so that's why I donated my breakfast to somebody who didn't get one. And... Um, Gee, there were all kinds of unknowns when I was on my way here. They said it was going to be at a pool, so I thought maybe I ought to bring a bathing suit with me. <laughs> and I'm glad I brought my coat. But I'm, I'm getting warmer and warmer by the minute, so I feel good. Um, let's see now. I know that uh, I want to tell you what I eat, and I know that I want to tell you what I weigh, and I'll tell you what I used to weigh first, and I guess I, I will tell you that I prepared for today by writing some notes for myself, and I wrote down something that I call my 17 steps. So I have my own steps, and they're kind of notes, and I want to be sure I cover those 17 things at some point while I speak to you. So I came into OA, and I weighed 320. That was my last known weight, and I was, um, let me see, that was in 19, uh, uh, was 31 years ago. Now, I was a little little chubby girl. I broke my mother's heart because none of the regular clothes ever fit me when I was growing up. And um, that was just how it was. I didn't realize what was happening, but now I understand. I was just a compulsive overeater, and she wore couture dresses that hid her overweight quite well. She was a very interesting gal, but course at my age being fitted for clothes for summer camp it was pretty hard to do I was in a playtex girdle when I was probably six so I suffered like a dog and when I grew up um, my mother and father brought me to a doctor and uh, I had 90 milligrams of dexedrine a day to be be on a diet and that, I suffered like a dog from those pills, too. And uh, so every time I broke up with a boy when I was in college and beyond, I'd gain another 20 pounds. And by the time I got to San Francisco, uh, I was up there. And so in uh, 31 years ago, I ended up weighing 320, and I was 12-step by a wonderful woman. She died a month ago. Joanne L. was her name. She was a student of mine. I was a professor as one of my careers, and she had the nerve to come up to my desk and tell me that I was overweight and would I like to try a meeting with her. We both weighed over 300 pounds, but... No one ever mentioned it to me. No one dared to. 
And uh, anyway, she took me to an OA. I went with her to a meeting, and of course, I hated it. Everybody was holding hands and hugging, and nobody was holding my hand. Nobody was hugging me, and it just was disgusting. Everybody was talking about God. I'm starting to get pretty warm. <laughs> you might see my waistline any minute now. <laughs> and... Um, so we hated the meeting. There was a guy there, God rest his soul, Bill S. And that brings me to one of my points on my, my Toby uh, list of tools, and that is hands across the table. After that Tuesday night meeting, the century meeting, we all went out for coffee. Nobody, I never made a peep to, at those meetings. I wouldn't dare to raise my hand and talk. But after the meeting, we went to a coffee shop on Mission Street, and he quizzed us, my friend Joanne and I. He quizzed us. He pumped us. Do you have a sponsor yet? Did you like the meeting? Did you understand? Do you have any questions? Come back next week. He was, he was like a, a leech. We couldn't get rid of this guy. And I understood much later that his, they call that an AA, hands across the table. And this is a common thing is like, jump on the newcomer. Don't let anybody drop out. Please try to share your program, share your recovery. And I never, ever forgot how he did that to us every time we went to that century meeting. Did you get a sponsor? Did you get a sponsor? This is the thing, pass it on is on my list as one of the things. If you don't pass it on, how is somebody going to get what you've got? How are you going to how are you going to get what to what I weigh today if I don't tell you what happened to me and what I did? We have the books. We have the when I came in, we had AA big book. AA um, uh, tools, AA traditions. And then after that, we had the Overeaters Anonymous material. My material that I learned from was the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, big book and the 12 by 12. And uh, anyway, I did come in, and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and became my sponsor. And that first one didn't fit, but the second one did. The second one that tapped me on the shoulder really fit. And uh, I weighed 320. That was my last known weight. That was the last time I got on the scale. It might have been more, but who's counting? Who cares? It's like a gal 48 does not want to weigh 320 pounds. It just happens. You can't help it. It just happens. And it's not about whether I owned a house. I did own a house. It's not about whether I had a great career. I did have a great career. It's like I couldn't stop eating. This is a big problem. It was a, an unresolved problem. And it, everything had been tried. We started with a girdle when we were little, and we moved up to the dexedrin, 90 milligrams a day. And then we had the shots and the fanny and the measuring of the ketones. That was expensive. That was a doctor on Geary Street. So... This is a thing I heard at that beginning meeting. I heard the word powerless, and I thought, that sounds really right. Powerless sounds right. All those diets, all those resolutions, everything, nothing worked. It just didn't work. It didn't stick. It didn't happen. 
Eat cookies and don't eat cake. Eat pie and don't eat ice cream. Eat steak and don't eat lamb chops. None of it worked. So I kept coming to OA. Now what I found out was really amazing. I found out that I had a threefold problem. It wasn't just that I was uh, weighed a lot. It wasn't just that I broke chairs when I sat down when I went to restaurants. It wasn't just that my feet were numb all the time and I couldn't actually reach behind myself, you know, to zip something or fix my bra or something. I couldn't get back there. What it was was I had a spiritual and an emotional problem and a physical problem, and I found this out by going to the meetings. And I found out something else that was amazing, and that was that I wasn't a bad girl. This was not a moral issue. I was not a bad person. Amazing. All that low self-esteem, all that guilt I had all these years for going from size 16 to 18 to 20. Oh, my God. Terrible. It was not a moral issue. And then I found out something else, and that is... I have an allergy. I am allergic to substances. This was a concept I could not believe. I was amazed. Now, I always believed in God. There was no proof, but I just came along with my family on that mindset, and it just happened that I believed in God. But I really, when I came to OA, was into the I Ching. And I would throw the coins, and I would get the readings, and I really, really was in love with the book. I almost had it memorized. And after about a year, or maybe even less, in OA, I thought, I think I'm going to switch books. I think the Alcoholics Anonymous big book is going to be my book now. I am going to really get into this book because it turned out as I began to study uh, the steps and the traditions and the big book, it, it was all about me, just like the I Ching was all about me. And it was all about uh, my attitude, all about my anger, all about my uh, inability to cope with other people, all about my loneliness and fears, my anxiety. I couldn't get over it. Any page that I opened, any section that I read was about me. And so I decided to, I had my PhD in uh, the I Ching. I was going to get my PhD in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. Now remember, I came to OA speaking fluent French, not just English. And I also had many years of Latin when I was a kid. My parents were trying so hard to cultivate me. And I still couldn't lose five pounds and keep it off. You have to understand. <laughs> So what about this allergy now? This is the thing I was told. I was promised this. And so many people in this program helped me. I'm just uh, eternally grateful to everyone 
uh, in OA and Overeaters Anonymous. I'm just beyond grateful. Now, this is the thing I tell people. I used to shoot up my hot fudge Sundays. That's how you have to look at this. I used to shoot up those Hershey bars. All the foods that I don't eat anymore, I used to shoot up. I am a low-bottom user, I am a, and I am allergic. And in the same spirit in, that the big book says, you cannot give up wine and vodka and still drink beer and gin. This is how it is with me with my food. No, you can't eat cookies and not eat cake. In other words, sugar is out. So this was my beginning. Sugar is out. It's like sugar is out. It means about 700 items. It means, it means at least, it means at least six counters of the uh, Safeway, right? Six aisles. Six Safeway aisles, because it includes the alcohol and wine aisles, don't forget. It includes, I mean, it's riveting how many things in Safeway have sugar in them. So that was the first thing. And I was promised, really, if, if I could make it three weeks, I wouldn't even miss it after that. And the t truth is, that was correct. That was absolutely correct. After three weeks, I didn't need it, because I found other things I began to be taught by my sponsor that, you know, overeat on chicken, it's okay. Get a big bowl of salad, it's okay. Just no donuts and cookies and candy and hot fudge sundae. Let's, let's just stay off the sugar. Just the whole category. And later on, you can pare down your other food plan. She kind of tricked me into it. I won't get... <laughs> I won't really get into the exact details because there isn't a lot of time, but I did get really pulled away from the sugar by being given a lot of wonderful things to eat uh, that were on my food plan. So I guess what I have to say is another thing on my list is planning. And I know that a lot of people in this room are glad to hear me say the word planning. <laughs> plan ahead. Plan your meals. You wake up in the morning, if I don't have lettuce and I don't have steamed vegetables in my refrigerator and I don't have oranges, uh, this is not the real me. You have to plan ahead what you're going to eat. Planning ahead so that when you're hungry, you're not shopping. Don't shop when you're hungry. This is a kiss of death. So planning the food plan is a big part of my program, and that was something that I learned. Now, in the beginning, I had three meals a day with a snack in between. I had a fruit in between meals, and I had a fruit late at night, and I had a big bowl of popcorn late at night because you don't get from weighing 320 down to what I'm weighing now by just giving up all your foods at one time. This is like teasing the tiger down the stairs. This is how it happens. I don't miss anything I've given up now. And that's the truth. And the thing is, the program works for everything. I even stopped my four-and-a-half-pack-a-day cigarette habit with my OA higher power. Well, I did have to cry for a month. Yes, I was scared of everything when I stopped smoking. 
Well, I cried for a month when I gave up my hard fudge Sundays too. I mean, you know, it was like my blanket. I couldn't, I couldn't cope without that. And so what? Like nobody died from crying. You only lose weight from crying. This is what I found out. <laughs> if things are bad, don't eat, cry. It's very slimming. Like they say, service is slimming. Well, crying is slimming too. <laughs> the other thing is, you know, it only lasts for a second. Like, you know, sometimes I would tell my sponsor, you know, I want to change my dinner. And she says, well, just wait until you're a little bit hungry, and then you'll be happy to eat what you get. You know what I mean? Things change in a split second. You think you're hungry. You know, you have a, pa a panic attack, and all of a sudden you think you're hungry. Well, you can get on the phone. That would be useful. It's a good tool. But get a, go grab a bottle of water or go do something else. Very often at 10.30 in the morning, I think it's time for lunch. Isn't it time for lunch? And it's like, wait a minute, it's only 10.30, but, well, I still think it's time for lunch. Well, maybe it's time to go in the office and pay some bills for an hour and a half. You know what I mean? That might be a good idea, and then it'll actually be time for lunch. You have to, like, tell your committee in your mind that your committee doesn't really know what you know. You really know that it's only 10.30. And this is, um, this is something that you have to work at every day. I work at every day. I have to work at every day. Well, um, so I told you about the allergy, and now I have to tell you something interesting, and that is I think that when you hit the fourth step, you have to be sure you have your higher power with you because it's a tremendous, tremendous revelation at least for me, at age 48, when I found out I actually had a character defect. <laughs> it was a staggering piece of news. <laughs> now I'm not so surprised when I have them, you know what I mean? But I'll tell you the truth, I was mortified when I realized that I... I had never, ever apologized to anyone. I came to OA, I was 48, and I had never apologized to anyone about anything. And for many years, I told you why, because my mother never did. Because I, I like to work my mother in there and blame everything on her. <laughs> That's really, you really have to do a lot of work to stop doing that. <laughs> I used to say my mother never apologized, so why would I know how to do that? But the thing is that uh, uh, I, I um, learned later on that everything I know is not because my mother taught me. So um, I've learned a lot on my own, and I can't blame her for anything. She did such a good job bringing me into the world and raising me. So here come those character defects, and they were really awesome. And um, they were hard to distinguish one from the other, and I needed other people to help me get that all sorted out. And it became what is called commonly a fourth step in program, where you uh, write uh, an inventory and you do a fifth step. Uh, you uh, read your inventory that you write to your 
uh, sponsor or to your rabbi or minister or your psychiatrist or your best friend or somebody whom you trust that would not laugh at you. That was the way I was uh, told it. And um, when I um, when I actually did my uh, first uh, written fourth step. I was very lucky that the person I read it to did not laugh at me. In fact, she was extraordinarily gifted in finding something good in it that she could uh, uh, tell me about a, a good side to it. It was very interesting uh, for me that she was able to uh, tell me what she did. And it really was very uplifting. There was a way that she had of being charitable and graceful and generous. Notice those things, those are the opposite of character defects. Charitable, graceful, and generous. That first uh, inventory I did, that woman was uh, probably helped keep me in program probably another five years because she did not trounce me, laugh at me, uh, or all of the above. You know, when I was telling her that I had a daughter and gave her up for adoption, and I had no idea where she was, I didn't even remember what year I had her or what month it was, because I had blocked it so badly. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, why did I ever, why did I do that? And where was the birth father? And where was it? And did my parents know? Did my brothers know? And did this and did that? The whole thing unraveled like a big, huge ball of uh, yarn. And that was my first, uh, fourth step was, uh, was writing about that. And I wasn't completely thorough. She had a lot of uh, questions and asked me, uh, you know, you forgot to uh, put this in and you forgot to put that in. And it was all very like, you know, it was like little Janie went to the store, little Janie stole a Tootsie Roll, little Janie came home, little Janie ate the Tootsie Roll, J little Janie lied about the Tootsie Roll, and little Janie moved to California. <laughs> it was like, well, poor little Janie. That was a rough year for little Janie, you know. <laughs> And it was like, wow, how am I going to get through this? Well, got to find my daughter. Oh, my gosh. So what happens now? Oh, put the daughter on the ninth step. Oh, my God. Put the daughter on the ninth step. So that was my, I wanted you to know that uh, right now um, I found my daughter, uh, let's see, 24 years ago. And that was 31 years ago that step about my daughter and uh, let's see what happened was I wrote her an apology and I waited seven years for the judge in uh, Salem Mass to read her my my letter of apology and uh, that was what happened while I was losing my first 50 pounds crying all the way getting uh, freed from my sugar and my white flour and various other things that I realized were, were I was allergic to, like I was shooting up the sugar, and now we come to the bread I was baking and the bagels I were baking, I was baking. So I had to get rid of the flour, and then I had to get rid of the grains. And uh, so I, I do have to say that 
I haven't had any sugar or white flour for this is my 31st year. And this morning I'm clocking in at 1.53, so I'm in good shape. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's pretty scary out there when you, uh, all you have is a Greek coffee to keep you going. <laughs> so uh, what, it hasn't been an easy road and it hasn't been simple. You know, I moved to Greece after I retired and I lived there for six years and I got into the hang of having lamb chops every night. That was tough. Because I went up on my weight. And, uh, you know, I even did a 10-step every morning, but I still got into the lamb chop hang every night. And so when I came home nine years ago, my my two sponsors had to figure out a way to get me off those lamb chops. And I speak Greek now, too, but I still had to have help get off those lamb chops. And actually, that was those were conversations that were awesome. I mean, you could actually write a book about how two or three human beings could spend hours and hours and hours <laughs> discussing how not to have lamb chops every night for <laughs> dinner. You know, and am I grateful to these people? You have no idea how grateful I am. And do I miss the lamb chops every night? No, I really don't. I've really gotten on a, on a fish thing now. And I've gotten on a fake egg omelet, which I absolutely am in love with. I'm in love with my food. I'm in love with my food, and it's like has no calories, a lot of it. And I'm just so grateful that I've learned that I don't have to use food. I don't have to substitute uh, who I am or how I am uh, with food. Sometimes I want to, but I don't. So I did that first, uh, first ninth step, and then I learned um, how to do uh, step 10. And I began finding out how many character defects I did have. I had, I had dozens and dozens, and they, they all listed in the big book, you know, the greed, lust, fear, envy. And, but they, they, all, they have tentacles, like it's not just about fear. You know, it's about jealousy, it's about rage, it's about uh, being controlling. And then I realized the big thing about the higher power is that your higher power can no longer be you. This was the thing I learned in OA, that my higher power has to be something outside of myself and not me. Then I have a chance because th there are so many things that I'm pow powerless over, I have to bow to that powerlessness and I have to let my higher power see me through whatever the issue is. I have to let my higher power help me have not have lamb chops every night for dinner. I have to let my higher power, when I come here, give away my breakfast ticket because I've already had breakfast. We don't get two breakfasts anymore. We don't eat in between meals anymore. Me, myself, and I, all of us, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the girl who never graduated from Overeaters Anonymous because, hey, I'm a one-day-at-a-time person. It's not really how many years, it's whether every day I'm willing. And it's like, haven't I graduated yet? You know, some days I wake up and think I'm older than my sponsor. I've lost more weight than my sponsor. I'm not going to call her. 
But this is the thing you have to understand. She wants to save my life. Some days she wants to save my life more than I do. I want a day off from my mission. But I don't get a day off. That's the thing you have to understand. And I guess that I have on my, on my, uh, my thing, don't ever give up. That's the other thing. Don't drop out. Nobody cares what I weigh. Nobody cares what I eat. And nobody cares whether I show or don't show. This is really critical. When I came back from Greece and I had gained 19 pounds, I went from 171 to 198 or something like that. And it was like I had to come back to my century meeting. Nobody cares. You belong here. I belong here. You guys know everything about me. You're the only ones that really know the mountain I'm climbing every day, the rock I'm pushing up every day, and it's like it's ridiculous. It's, there's no way out of this disease other than to stick. You have to stick and talk it through with another person or two, the way Dr. Bob and Bill did when they started AA. You have to call somebody before you're going to drop out. Call somebody before you're going to eat something you know is going to set you up. I know that if, if I started using again, I would be smoking a cigarette, and I know it would kill me now. I know I'd be buying four cottons. I wouldn't be having one, and that's what I've learned in my program. I have an allergy. It's not that I'm a bad girl. If it gets in my pores, it's going to overtake me. You have to remind me of that if I forget, and that's why we have to stay together and everybody. And I realized that I couldn't drop out. I don't want to drop out, but I can't drop out. I mustn't drop out. If I want to save my life, I must not drop out. Just push that button down. That's done and, done and over. That decision has been made. It's kind of like when I married my husband. Push the button down. Done and over. I picked my guy. Is that 10 minutes to go? Oh, let me look at my list. <laughs> well, I did bring my picture in case you don't believe me. You can see what, what the old girl looked like. And uh, here are the things I haven't, uh, I haven't told you about that are on my list. Or I'll just read you my list. My higher power cares for me. I found out I have an allergy. I told you about that. Hands across the table. Re strangers reached out to me. It was incredibly important. I found out I have character defects. I'm very proud now when I find out I have a character defect because I know I can get rid of it. If I find out what it is, I can get rid of it. I'm always able to find out what your character defects are. That's something. <laughs> My husband, I'm always ready. I can show up for duty right away and tell him what's wrong with him, you know. But it's mine I have to locate, and I also have to get rid of them, and I have to do it very quickly. Focus, attitude of gratitude. 
that was another thing. I went to a retreat, and there was this wonderful man there, and he talked about he did a gratitude list every morning. This was about 25 years ago. His name was Dick. And I was fascinated, and he read us his gratitude list. And I thought, you know, he said he wakes up in the morning, he's shaving, looks in the mirror and says, hi, Dick, it's nice to see you. I'm so glad you're here today, something like that. that he begins his gratitude list, then he starts on his list. So I tried it, and I wrote a gratitude list. I had about 10 things on it. It was hard. And, but the next day, I couldn't do it. And I called him, and I asked him, can you repeat the 10 things? Could I repeat? I actually got his phone number. He lives in Oakland or somewhere and called him to ask him whether I could repeat the 10 from the day before. And, of course, now I can get to 100. I can even get to 150. And, I, you know, I can mention the name of every person in Overeaters Anonymous that I've ever cared about or I've ever heard speak or shared a miracle, et cetera. So the gratitude is very important, constant step study. I own a book called The Concordance to the AA Big Book, and I love that one, too. And I especially like to uh, read, like I just go to a topic, like I'll go to acceptance, and I will read the whole, the whole section on it, or I'll go to fear, and then I can go right to the, uh, the big book and get the chapter, that um, the section I want to read. Now, what the program gives us is what they call a simple kit of spiritual tools. So I started by telling you I learned that I had a threefold disease, spiritual, emotional, and physical bankruptcy. And that's what, what I mean when I say that is that I didn't know that I had character defects. And I didn't know that I could use my higher power to help me get out of a jam that when I need help, all I have to do is let my higher power help me. I have to get out of the way and let my higher power help me. The more I was willing to stay on a spiritual path and the more I've been willing to say, it's not all about me. Let me see what I can do to be nice. I think I have that in there. I have to try, I have to write down, try kindness, charity, service, honesty, and try passing it on. Like, I have to try to be nice rather than try to be a bitch. You know, in the old days, it was the other way around. And even in the morning, I say I have a big service position the minute I wake up because I have to be nice to my husband. And that's the beginning of my service for the day. It's not just, a, it's not just I weigh myself and weigh and measure my breakfast and get my coffee. I actually have to be nice to my husband. And I want to be nice to him most days. Now, the thing uh, that, that I learned was that we need to have the courage to face each day and not be afraid of what's coming each day. Like in the old days, that's really why I stuffed my mouth. I feel I, the fear was too great, and I didn't have a way to cope with it. But now I do. I can call all of you. I can ask my higher power for help. Or I can just let go of the whole problem and let my higher power handle it because I understand now what um, powerlessness is. When I'm having thyroid surgery, I'm powerless over the results, so there's no point in worrying about it uh, ahead of time. You can pray and you can talk, but you can't 
control everything. I learned that in my program. I can't control everything. And now the other big thing are all these miracles that I've shared, like I'm sharing today with you a miracle. First of all, of course, I found my daughter, so that's a miracle I can share with you, and I pass that on to you. That's given me great joy. And then I met my husband. That's given me great joy. And that I'm standing here, I'm not in a wheelchair. That's giving me enormous pleasure. You can't even imagine how I feel about that. And uh, you can share your miracles with me. If you have something that is thrilling that has happened to you, I want to know about it because we're all in the same process with each other. So when I'm worried and fearful, I often will think about my miracles and say, well, it was wonderful when it happened then. Chances are it could be wonderful this next time too. I guess the biggest thing on my list is uh, my 10th step. Because there is, some, I used to write a 10th step every day, and uh, somebody suggested to me I do my 10th step standing up. And I, I thought that was a good idea. I think I'll try that. So that is while you're getting ready to dump on somebody, while you're getting ready to kill somebody, hurt somebody be mean to somebody, you could just switch and do the other thing, you know. And, and that's something that I learned in these rooms, and it's made in, from someone who's actually here today, and it's made such an enormous amount of difference. For example, Tuesday, my husband needs to go to a funeral. A relative of his died, and I can't go. We have something else happening, somebody coming. So first it was like, well, I don't want him to go. This is the first thing in my mind. The next thing in my mind, is that one minute? Three minutes, thank you. The next thing in my mind after I don't want him to go is, of course, I don't want to go. That was first. Then I don't want him to go. Then the third thing was, well, I have to get him a ride because it's in, uh, across the bay. He doesn't drive. And then the fourth thing, instead of being mad, angry, pissed, and all that was, well, maybe I should go with him. I started to work it around where by the time I talked to him about the whole topic, I had told him that I would try to go with him if he felt like he couldn't stand going there by himself. I had, my brain had completely wrapped the whole problem up. I had just chopped it all into bits and pieces like we learned to do in order to get the meat out of it so I could do the right thing and I could be helpful to my husband because a family member died. And it all worked out, but it was not about me. And um, this is, you know, a serious thing because the thing about program that's so complicated is how are you going to have raise your low self-esteem but not have everything not be about you? This is the line that you have to walk. You have to feel good. You have to feel beautiful. You have to feel wonderful. When I lost five pounds 31 years ago in OA, I was dating a guy in the rooms that used to date newcomers. I felt great. I lost my first five pounds. I was spiritually fit. I had found, like the topic says, a new freedom and a new happiness. 
I was five days, 10 days off sugar. I found the solution. This is the solution to all my problems. And I, I feel as good today as I did that day. I never forgot that. I was still, you know, I weighed 314 pounds and I was on the way down. And I was feeling fantastic the same way I feel today. I remember that because it's not about what you weigh. It's all about what's going on inside, what is in that brain and what, what is going on with that committee there. It's not just about what, what you're wearing or what you weigh. So um, I'll leave you with that, you guys. Thanks. <laughs> Mike, can I come down? Yeah. Thank you guys so much for showing up this morning. And thanks again to Toby for being our fabulous speaker. All right, before we close, um, feel free to hang out, hang out as long as you want. But we've got the closing ceremony at 10 o'clock over in the Regency Ballroom. So please join us for that. We're not done yet. So with that, th oh, is there any other? Okay, no. Why don't we close with a serenity prayer?